This is the letter to the Hebrews, and it's also God's word to you because he loves you, so let's give it our attention. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Man. I'm so excited to preach. Some people are cheering for me on the sidewalk out there. This is great. Uh, if every Sunday I had such a crowd out there outside, people just cheering for you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is going to be a, a Brian Stebbin-length sermon. I'm even calling it a homily. So uh, we're learning from one another. And I just want to start with a quick little thought uh, of why, why it's important to pay attention to these words from God that he gives to all people because he loves them and wants to speak to them, and also why it's important to get together and to celebrate occasions like this on All Saints Sunday and with our community. And I think it's this. Uh, I think as modern people living in the culture that we live in and the time we live in, it's hard anymore to understand or to believe that our lives have transcendent meaning, that there's anything more than meets the eye. I think we have purpose in our lives, many of us, but that purpose is usually just what we can make of it. So what you can make financially or what you can build with your friends or family 
or how you can increase things to add to your identity. And that feels like the end of the matter, that there is nothing more than meets the eye, nothing mysterious perhaps, nothing bigger than us that gives our lives meaning and purpose. And that leads to a sense of loneliness, a sense to why well, if I can find a few people to support me on my personal journey, great. But that's maybe the best that we can come up with. And there's not even any trust that those people will continue with you into your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, the end of your life, that they fall away and you find yourself ultimately alone. This is a challenge for us. The world and our experience in it can often feel like we're floating randomly upon a flood of inevitable processes like environmental decline or evolutionary survival of the fittest or dehumanizing economic processes and the never-ending entropy of human nature and human relationships, which seem to return to selfishness and war time and time again. There's nothing more than we can see or describe. No power greater than human beings. No agency other than ours. Now, if we're positive people, we might say, let's work, let's have purpose, let's do things like save the planet or end hu hunger secure individual right and liberties. But more and more, we're even unsure that we can make a difference. So mostly we distract ourselves with the pleasures of late consumer capitalism, tailored more and more to individual whim. And we often find ourselves hopeless and bored, a closed loop, nothing more than meets the eye. And so we find ourselves hopeless and bored. This letter was written to an early group of people who were marginalized and confused, and frankly, they were bored and growing disenchanted by their own faith. We read in the book of Hebrews that they weren't showing up to church anymore. They were dabbling in old habits that they had used to destroy them that were destructive. They were finding their experience of the world hopeless, and they begun to find this Christ that they had met, Jesus, boring. And what they needed to find again was their faith. Faith, this word that all of us use, we have faith, you know, in all sorts of things. You have faith that you can cross the street when the light is right for you. We have faith and trust that things will be as they ought to be so that we'll be safe. The way that Hebrews describes faith in chapter 11, right before the part we read, is faith is the assurance of things that we hope for. It's the conviction of things that we actually can't see. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the loving word of God. So that what is seen was made out of things that are not visible, it says. Here, faith is not simply a trust fall. It's a unique gift that God gives to anybody who wants it. To believe that there is more than meets the eye and that more than meets the eye whether you want to call it a force or a person, Christians would understand it to be the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that there is this entity, this being, this essence, this living society, this God who made all things with love and is committed to renewing all things in love. And so faith returns us to the mystery and the meaning of the world and of our own lives. We learn 
by faith that we have a heavenly father who is at play with us in our daily experience, who is walking with us and instructing us and paying attention to us and thinks that everything we do do matters. We're on a path, this tells us, this path that leads somewhere. You wonder where your life is leading according to faith. All of us are destined for God's final destination, what he is intending for the world and for all those who will join him on the journey of faith is shalom, to remake all things, to make war go away, hatred go away, division, prejudice, isolation, loneliness, a lack of meaning, to get rid of all of those things and to put in their place love, fellowship, healing, prosperity, flourishing. This is what he has in store for us. And then life In this context, if we understand it is a sacred journey, a sacred destination, a pilgrimage, a race toward the finish line of God's shalom, his embrace of all things being made good and new again, then every step matters. When you pull a hamstring and your friend has to put you on their shoulder and carry you, that matters. It matters that we're in community. We find ourselves all people that are journeying and working towards shalom by faith are now together, racing, encouraging. And there's all these people who have died, all these people that we can't see, all these people around the world this morning worshiping who are cheering us on. It says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so let us throw off every weight and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why? Because we know that Jesus has done the same thing He endured all kinds of suffering. Why? It says for the joy that was set before him. Jesus lived life with us. He suffered like us. He was rejected as we all have been. He hurt as we hurt. He cried as we cry. He experienced death as we all will. He endured the cross. And then he rose from the dead. And why did he do all these things? It says for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was not just being back in God's presence, not just experiencing shalom as an individual like one of us. That joy is to bring people with him, to run the race, to say, we've seen that it can be done, and now we have all these witnesses, and he runs with us, and we are his pride and joy. You are the trophy. You are the crown. You are what he gets because he ran the race to the finish. He delights in you, and so now he beckons you. Keep coming. Let's go. Keep up this race of faith. And so as you go out this morning, I want you to enjoy and cheer people on, friends and strangers, humanity of every stripe and size and age are running this race and it's so beautiful and encouraging. And picture yourself running towards a heavenly father with wide open arms. Picture yourself running to Jesus, whether you know him not, whether you know him well or not this morning, to trust and believe that God sent him to be the demonstration that God loves you is on your side and is for you and has made sure that you will never fall down so that you will fail ultimately, but you can keep running, that he has empowered you. And picture our congregation and people of faith and goodwill around the world running with you, that you're running with Abraham and Moses and the prophets and the apostles and all the famous saints of the last 2,000 years, with the little ones whose names we don't know yet but who are known to God, with recent Christian heroes like Martin Luther King Jr. and Dorothy Day and so on and so forth. And all of these people are cheering you on, shouting. And they're saying, we ran the race 
to the end. It is good. It is worth it. You will have shalom. You made it, or we made it. You can make it too. Keep running the race of faith. This is what is calling out to you this morning because God loves you. He's secured your future, and we are on a race. Our life does have meaning. Every little thing matters if we are running towards shalom in the life and love of God in the community of faith. This is your opportunity this morning. Let's run and let's enjoy the marathon together by grace through faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus,